Understand this, you are predestined. You know what that means? All right, you are predestined. Meaning that when you arrive to earth, God had already given you a destiny. <laughs> All right, you are predestined. When you arrive to earth, you were already equipped with a destiny. When anytime the Bible says that he knows the end of a thing before the beginning of a thing, all right, that means when you were born, your life was already finished. It's just your job to walk through the chapters. That's why I say the most important thing is the word and it is communication. If you're not talking with him, you don't know that. If you're not in your word, you don't know that you're predestined. We, we read the word and we just, we see the word predestined, but we never put thought into it. You never think, okay, you know what? He's equipped me already. Everything that I need is already available for me. All I have to do is seek his face. And it's like the book has already been written and you just got to walk through the chapters. Amen. Turn me down just a little bit. So we're going to get into the word for today. Anybody else got a testimony? Someone, something got to say? I feel it. And they probably ain't going to say nothing. Y'all, y'all be holding back. I get a call saying, well, I wanted to say this today, but no. Say it now. <laughs> I'm sorry, hanging up. Nope, don't want to hear it. No, I'm just playing. I'm not going to do that. Um, so we're going to get into the word for the day. Uh, we're still talking along the, long, the uh, lines of praying in tongues, speaking in tongues. Has this series blessed anybody? Yes. Come on, come on, come on. And so we're going to do, I think this is like the fifth message. I might do one more after this. Um, but the, the whole purpose of me teaching these series is so that you can, we have the podcast available for you. You can always have a catalog in which you can go back and you can learn from. Because you're not going to remember this stuff. You know, we'll teach this, this um, series on tongues and then we'll move into something else. We'll get about two series down the road and all of a sudden you forgot about praying in tongues. So you want to always have a variety of teaching going into your spirit so that you can stay balanced. So we're going to uh, teach on today from tongue, from uh, the series, Tongues, the Lost Language. And we've actually created another series off of that. And the title of that series is coming from the actual scripture, 1 Corinthians 14 and 18, in which Paul says, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than all of you. And so um, today, the title of today's message is Paul the Martyr. Paul the Martyr. All right. Paul the Martyr. And we're still going along the lines of the, ver the scripture, 1 Corinthians 14 and 18, when he said, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than all of you. All right. We're still going to bring life to that scripture. Like I told you, when Paul made this statement, he was 21 years into his ministry. He was 21 years into being saved. So when he said, I pray in tongues more than all of you, it is, a, it is, it is life behind that. It is some stress behind that. Okay, it is some struggles behind that. We talked about him as a theologian, his life, him being in, uh, in Jude Judaism, leaving Judaism to come over to Christianity. All right. So we want to bring life to this scripture. And at the same time, we want to parallel it. There, it does no good for us to teach the scriptures or for you to read the Bible and you not see yourself in the word. It does no good for you to read about how much Paul prayed in tongues and you not apply that to your life. If the person who wrote three fourths of the New Testament says, I pray in tongues more than all of you, then you know in your life, you're going to need this language. And so we had Paul's life before he learned about praying in tongues. Before he got saved, before he realized he was a child of God. Then we have Paul's life once he learned the language and he practiced it. He test drove it. And we talked about how some of you, when you came to Divine Generation Church, you didn't pray in tongues. 
Now that you do pray in tongues, you're, doing, you're starting to see, okay, you're starting to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the more you pray in tongues, the more you pray in tongues and you feel that presence, because watch this, you can only carry what you, what you, bring, what you uh, um, extract in your personal life. I'm going to say that again. You can only carry the presence of God that you get from your personal prayer life. It doesn't matter how anointed the person preaching is. It doesn't matter how anointed the person praying is. It doesn't matter how anointed the ministry staff is or the ministry is. If you don't have a personal prayer life, you can't carry the presence of God. And you will only carry what you what you uh, earn through your private life, prayer life. And so we had Paul before he learned this. Then we had Paul test driving it. And then we had Paul when he's steeped in it. 21 years. He's an apostle. He's been through so many situations and circumstances. And from there he makes this statement. 1 Corinthians 14, 18. I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. Why would he thank God? Because it works. You don't thank God for something that doesn't work. After 21 years and you thank God, I thank God for forgiving. Because I know it works. I thank God for his systems of forgiving so I can be forgiven. For believing in him and seeing these things extracted in my life. So Paul said, I thank God. I am grateful that I can pray to you. Not only pray in tongues, but I can pray in understanding. I can communicate with you. You've opened up the line of communication. Everything in this scripture that you see, the father wanted this there for you. He created healing. Why would he create a healing and want you to stay sick? Why would he create riches and want you to be in lack, in poverty? Why would he show you people from the Old Testament who, who were not even his children? And they were kings. They owned land. They had armies. They were rich. They were full of wisdom, full of humility. Why would he show you all of these people in the Old Testament? The Moses, the Abrahams, the Isaacs. Those were not even his children. And the things that he let them walk in, we should be jealous. So Paul is like, I thank God that I can communicate. But then he says, I thank God I can pray in tongues. No, he said, I thank God I pray in tongues more than you. I was going to get a shirt made today. I was going to wear it. So I, I pray in tongues more than you. I, I might do it next week. But it's iron sharpening iron, okay? It's iron sharpening iron. We should provoke one another to good deeds. How much did you pray in tongues this week? I'd be texting back and forth with certain people. They'd be like, I did five hours a day. Paul said, I pray in tongues more. More means three things. I'm more willing to do it. I'm eager to do it. I can't wait to do it. I get up in the morning, the first thing I do, I start praying in tongues. I'm eager. You don't have to pump and prime me. Nobody has to call me. Nobody has to ask me. Nobody has to say, Kirby, pray in tongues. Why aren't you praying in tongues? Do you pray in tongues, Kirby? No one has to do that. He's willing. He says he's more readily, which means he's not reluctant. He doesn't sit there depressed in a stupor and know he has this language that works, that can pull you out of, of, of your mess, and he just sit there. He doesn't sit there confused, doesn't know, has no idea what to do, but he has tongues in which he can pray and edify himself and build himself up, and the Holy Spirit is, is, is uh, um, uh, searching his heart. And the Holy Spirit is revealing the mind and the, and the Holy Spirit is interceding for the will of God. He doesn't just sit there having this language available and don't use it. Then the third one was 
he does it to a greater degree. So the other apostles may have did it one, two hours a day. Paul said, I'm going to do it 10 hours a day. Me and my wife was reading about a woman who said, was it 21 hours? 12 hours. She said she had issues going in her, in her life, in her ministry. She canceled everything. 12 hours of prayer. Unlocked it. God has given us these things, okay, so we can intentionally run our life. So Paul said, I do this to a greater degree than you. I'm going to do it more than you. You're going to do a five, I'll do a ten. And so we talked about Paul as an apostle. Then we talked about Paul as a theologian. And today we're going to talk about Paul as a martyr. Now, in being a martyr, we're talking about well, in Acts 1 and 8, it says that you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be a witness. All right. A witness in the Greek. The word in the Greek for witness is the word martyr. So all it means to be a martyr is to be a witness. But in order for you to be a martyr, you have to die living a certain life. So if you're a martyr, your life is a witness to people and you died that way. If your life is a witness and then you leave that life and you don't die in that life, you're no longer a martyr. So by Paul being a martyr, he said, I was a witness to the power of God. People can see my life and they can grow. The Bible talks about us being co-laborers with the Father. It's talk about, it talks about us being a field. It talks about us being his building. It talks about one plant, one water, but the Father giving an increase. And so Paul was a martyr. He was a martyr. And when you're dealing with martyr, martyrdom, you're dealing with afflictions and pains. Afflictions and pains. And I know we don't want to talk about this, but we got to talk about this. Because it ain't peaches and cream, okay? It's not just about being God's child, having stuff, okay? Uh, uh, not having anything go wrong in your life. But it is some times in your life where you're going to go through afflictions and you're going to go through pains. All right. The afflictions are always going to deal with just the random things that happen in your life. All right. Just those arbitrary moments where stuff just come out the blue and you have no idea why this is happening to you. You have no idea. Those arbitrary moments, those just those are non anomalous moments. You ever had something just happen out the blue in 2003? I got ready to um, I decided to give my life back to God. At the time, I didn't know he was my father. <laughs> I, I got ready to give my life back to God. So that's a good thing, right? Amen. So the same year, I decided to enlist in the military. All right. In that same year, so I gave my life back to God. That's a good thing. I uh, enlisted in the military. I'm getting ready to leave my environment and just get away from everything else because I want to just focus on God. So I enlisted in the Army. I'm getting ready to leave in 2014, April, and in November of 2003, I get a phone call. And, and it's one of my friends, and he's like, uh, uh, your, uh, your, your father said call him. It's my uncle, it's my, I have, well, let me give you kind of the background of the story. I have uh, three adopted brothers, all right? I was adopted. I was adopted by my auntie and uncle. Um, and then on my parents' side, the biological side, I'm the second oldest of 11, all right? So when I get this phone call, the guy tells me, he says, you need to call your uncle. He said, because your brother got murdered. Now, I just gave my life back to God. I'm getting ready to go to the military. And then out the blue, you get a phone call. Your brother got murdered. Now, at the time, I'm thinking, I don't know which brother you're talking about. Okay? Because I, I have two biological, and then I got three through adoption, which are really my cousins. So I'm scrambling like, okay, what in the world did happen? So I call him, and he tells me that my oldest brother got murdered, shot in the, shot in the chest twice. Now my family is going into a frenzy because I'm getting ready to go to the military and they already lost a son. And this is wartime. 
So now my family is trying to convince me, don't go to the war, don't do that. You know, this just happened. Like, look, he got killed in Indianapolis. When it's time for you to go, it's time for you to go. There's nothing you can do about where it happened at. You don't want me to go into the military because you don't want me to go over to Iraq because you're scared I'm going to get murdered in Iraq. He just lost his life in Indianapolis. That's afflictions. All right? I'm on the right track. I'm doing what God told me to do. And boom, brother dies. What do you do about that? What do you do in moments like that? Or in 2009, me and my wife, we are in ministry. Okay, God has called us. We're answering the call. We're in full-time ministry. Our life was ministry. And then in 2009, my daughter's born with spina bifida. Why us? That's an affliction. That's something you did not prepare for. That's something that, that there's no way you could have been ready for that. Afflictions. What do we do? All of a sudden now, we don't serve God anymore. <laughs> All of a sudden now, what, we leave Christianity because these things are happening to us? So you have afflictions. Things that just happen randomly, just out the blue. You have no idea these things are going to take place. And then you have pains. Pains are the things that you put yourself through. Pains are the things that you have to put yourself through to get the things that the Father has said that belong to you. It could be a college degree. Those are pains when you go, okay, and when you go and you enlist in school and you have to, and you see the end, but watch this. While you're in school, life don't stop. Life don't stop. So it could be times when you just enlist in school. It could be, pains could be situations in which you, you are planted in a place and you don't want to be there, but the Father has you there for a reason. It could be a job. He has you on an assignment. You don't want to be there, but you have to be there because it's necessary. It could be you, you've been planted in a ministry. I've been planted in ministries and didn't learn, wasn't learning nothing. But God says, stay right there. I don't know why, because every time you walk into a place, it ain't always to learn. Sometimes it's because you're a light. Sometimes it's because the ministry needs you to do something. And it's not all about what you're getting from a person. How about you're there to help? Or what about you just been, you, you practicing righteousness. You're fasting. You're trying to get the things. God said you got a destiny. God said you got a purpose. And you got to pray. You got to fast. You got to read the word. But you still got life. And you know fasting is painful, ain't it? They used to call it a spiritual cuss word. And so, Paul is a martyr, all right? Paul is a fugitive, and he's, and he's running from Saul. And that's a, this is where all of us are. You're trying to lose the old you to get the new you. And this is Paul's situation. And so, Paul... The afflictions Paul is going through right now is he's trying to lose Saul. The afflictions he's going through is he's trying to lose the fact that he was a Pharisee. He's trying to lose Judaism. That is the if afflictions that Paul are going through. But the pains that he's going through is he's trying to become Paul. He's trying to go from a Pharisee to an apostle. He's trying to move from his beliefs in Judaism to Christianity. That's painful, especially when you consider the fact that he's been raised that way. 34 years in Judaism, you have an encounter on the road to Damascus with heaven, and now all of a sudden you got to change everything about you. You know your, your family got something to say. You know your friends got something to say. Just switching ministries. How many of y'all got caught that flag? of leaving the ministry. Every time we got ready to leave and, and go somewhere where God told us to do, you know the thing we were told? It ain't gonna work, cause you're not with us. And that's afflictions. Because you have to fight through that. If you don't fight through that, you will stay right where you at. And there'll be no movement in your life. 
So, our first scripture, well, not our first scripture. So, let's go to 2 Timothy 4 and 5 through 7. Now, this is Paul's closing remarks to his legacy. All right? This is Paul getting ready to pass the torch to Timothy. And he tells him, he says, but you... Be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Now, this is Paul talking to Timothy. He's talking to his spiritual son. This is his commencement speech. He's, Paul's getting ready to leave. And the first thing he tells him is, be watchful in all things. Now, in order to be watchful in all things, you have to pray in tongues. Why? Because it's some things that the Spirit, when the Bible says, when Paul says, I pray in spirit, in the Spirit, and I pray with understanding. Which means what? If you can pray in the Spirit and you can pray in understanding, now who you think understands more the most, the Spirit or you? The Spirit. So he's telling him, be watchful in all things. Then he says, endure afflictions. What does that mean? Afflictions are going to happen. There's no way you get out this life or walk this life and you go unscathed and nothing happens to you. It's impossible. So he's saying, endure these afflictions. Endure afflictions. The Bible talks so much about suffering. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Don't just do your work inside the church. Do your work outside the church. Then he says, fulfill your ministry. Then Paul goes into this thing. He says, for I am ready to, I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. He's saying, my time is up. This is an analogy of him saying, my blood is about to be spilled. My life is about to be over. I'm done. My ministry is over. I'm handing it off to you because it's time for me to go. Now, look at these instructions that he gave him. Or not instructions. They are instructions, but this is Paul letting them know. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. He said, I fought the good fight. Meaning what? It was, it was adversaries there. Anytime you have to fight, that means there's an adversary. Anytime you have to fight, that means, some, that means either you hit somebody and they went to hit you back or somebody hit you and you went to hit them back. It's not a fight, Sierra, if I hit you and you do nothing. It's not a fight. If the devil comes up against you and you do nothing, that's not a fight. Paul said, I fought the good fight. Then he said, I finished the the race, which meaning he knew there was a destination. There was somewhere that he has to go. When you race, you don't just stand in place and race. When you race, there's a destination. There's an end in mind. Paul said, I finished that end. The father told me, this is what you called me to do. And I went forth and I did it and I finished. And then he said, I kept the faith. So I didn't just fight. I didn't just finish. But I kept the faith while I did it. That's what a martyr is. A martyr is someone who fights the good fight, someone who finishes their course while they keep the faith. Okay? Because we have the same afflictions. We have the same pain. It is going to, it's not going to be easy you losing you to become who the Father says you are. When Jesus said that you have to lose a life to gain a life, and it's spiritual, so it's, mystery, it's mystical, and so you don't see it happening. You can't see yourself losing life, just like you can't see yourself gaining life. You can't see yourself becoming. You think Paul seen himself becoming an apostle while he was losing the Pharisee ways? No, it just happens as you keep doing spiritual things. You keep practicing righteousness. You continually put the word in you because it doesn't matter. Watch this. If you don't start growing until you attack your soul with new information, 
You don't start growing until you attack, until you attack your soul. Your mind has to have new information in order for you to grow. But you don't see this thing. So it's almost like you were born again, and at, the, and at the same time you were born again and you're maturing in the spirit, on the other side you're dying. So you have a funeral going on in you, and at the same time you have life going on in you. And so what do we do? How do we combat this? Praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit to build up your spirit, man. Praying in the spirit to build up your faith. All right, let's get into Paul. Let's look at Paul's fight. Y'all ready? Because what you get to do now, you get to parallel your life with Paul's. And at the end, this is what I want you to, this is the conclusion I want you to come away with. Do I need to pray in tongues? How important is it that I pray in tongues? Y'all ready? Now, let me give you a backstory. Paul was always dealing with some foolishness. All right. Paul was very accomplished in the flesh. And every now and then people would contest Paul. They would contest his apostleship, mostly because they knew that he used to be a Pharisee. And because he was a Pharisee, the Jews thought he was a hypocrite from leaving uh, uh, Judaism and coming to Christianity. But at the same time, the people who are Christians don't trust him. And so Paul is always dealing with this foolishness of having to prove himself. And so they have these apostles that are always saying something to him about him. And so this is Paul's rant. All right. He have, he, he's having a little rant right now. And so in verse 17, he says, what am I saying? Am I not saying as the Lord would? No, he says, what am I saying? I am not saying as the Lord would. Now, Paul is good with that. He's letting you know, there's things I'm about to say, this is not what Jesus would say. All right, where I'm about to go right now, Jesus wouldn't do this. So I'm letting y'all know this is me doing this. All right, he says, what I am saying, I am not saying as the Lord would, but as foolishness. In this confidence of boasting, so many boast according to the flesh, I'm a boast also. So you're going to talk about your accomplishments. You're going to say what you've done. Watch this. Let me show you something. I'm going to join the party, and I'm going to show you what accomplishments look like. Verse 19, he says, for you, now he's talking to the church. He says, for you, being so wise, tolerate foolish gladly. He says, for you tolerate if anyone enslaves you. You don't mind people keeping you in religion. If anyone devours you. If anyone takes advantage of you, if anyone exalts himself, if anyone hits you in the face. Verse 21, he says, to my shame, I must say that we have been weak by comparison. Meaning, it ain't happening over here. <laughs> it ain't happening over here, all right? You let them treat you like that, but not here. I'm not going to let that happen to me. Y'all ready? He says, but in, but in whatever respect anyone else is bold, I speak in foolishness. I am just as bold myself. So y'all want to talk trash? Let's talk. He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Big deal. I know the law. I've been under that covenant. Are they Israelites? So am I. I was a Pharisee. I was a part of that culture, that tradition. He says, are they descendants of Abraham? Okay, I'm part of that covenant too. So am I. But watch this. He says, are they servants of Christ? Uh-oh. <laughs> he said, I speak as if insane. Paul said, now this is something you really don't brag about. What I'm about to brag about, this is something people don't brag about. 
This is going to sound insane. He says, are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. They go that word. More. I more so. They say they're servants of Christ. Not more than me. I'm more willing to be a servant. I'm more readily to be a servant. And when it comes to this servitude thing, I take it to a whole nother degree than them. Watch this. He says, I more so in far more labors. I put in more work than y'all. In far more imprisonments. I've been in jail more than y'all for this gospel. I've been beaten times without number. I don't know how many times for the sake of this gospel, somebody done put their hands on me. Y'all want to brag? Let's talk. Often in danger of death. Don't leave. Don't leave. Y'all stay right there. All right? It's going to be okay. Verse 24, he says, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. 39 lashes. Now, you got to get the visual behind this. He said 39 because 40 is considered the death penalty. So they hit him enough for it not to be considered death because if you went to 40, it was a penalty if they didn't, all right? So if, he, if, if you hit him 40 times, it's saying that you were trying to kill the person. So he said, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. From who? The Jews. His people. It's like me sitting here saying, from five times I received from black people. From my own people, 39, all right, 39 lashes. Now these aren't just whoopers with a belt. All right. This is called the cat of nine tails, which means it was a whip. And at the end, it had hooks in it. So they would hit your flesh and then it would stick in your flesh and then they pull it. He said, this happened to me five times. This happened 39 times. Who ready for that? See, the Bible talks about your faith being you have not. The Bible talks about you have not resisted yet to blood. You think the little thing you're going through is something, okay? But it's people who have really stood for this thing. These scriptures are here because of Paul was able to do what? Endure. So he says, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with, with rods. Once I was stoned. You can read this one in the book of Acts. Brother got stoned. They dragged him to the, no, they, they took him to the outside, outer, outer, outer limits of the city, stoned the brother to death. The brother gets back up from the dead and goes back in the city and starts preaching again. I thank God I pray in tongues more than all of you. Because <laughs> you have to be built up to do that. You have to be built up to live this type of life, take 39 lashes just once. Okay, one time I'll probably be gone. I'm done. I'm done with this. This ain't for me. <laughs> the first time, nope. I've been up there with Peter. I don't know who he is. <laughs> Peter said, oh, I'm going to be with you. He said, you're going to deny me three times. Peter hadn't even gotten cat nine tails. All he had to see was Jesus go through it. And he was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'll wait to Pentecost. Okay. So he says, three times I was beaten. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I was stranded. Can you imagine that? All right, we sit there right now, don't know how we're going to get a bill paid. And Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord. Can you imagine being shipwrecked? Watch this. He said, three times I was shipwrecked. He said, a day and a night and a day I have spent in the deep, which means he was just in the water, okay, in the ocean, just holding on. A day and a night. See, you go through that, you're going to question, is he for me? You're going to question, is he real? Y'all ain't going to be fake with me. 
You're going to question if he real. You're talking about three nights shipwrecked. You ain't trying to go one night without food. Them people, watch this, them people mess up my check, you snapping out. I'm just being honest with you. We're going to have to endure afflictions. And so one thing that's, that's going to happen during this process and teaching stuff like is you're going to have to build yourself up to stop complaining about that little stuff. He just put your life to shame and we ain't even done. All right, let's continue. Verse 26. He says, I have been on frequent journeys. Now, he said, this is, this is uh, often I travel. He says, in danger from rivers. Because it, it wasn't bridges. He wasn't driving in no car. He couldn't go online and reach Ephesus. Wasn't no streaming. Wasn't no Wi-Fi. These brothers did ministry using their feet. They had to go somewhere. They hear God tell them, go to this city. And to them, that means just go. It don't mean waiting to see if I can get a ride. Okay, is the money going to come through so we can get there? No. If God told you right now, I want you to be in Canada in five days, you would sit there and wait for him to send a blessing to get there. So he says, I have been in frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, in danger from robbers. You're going to rob the man of God, huh? <laughs> we don't think it happened. Okay, we don't think that happened. God should kill him. No, God is not, watch this, God is not opposed to you going against things, going, going uh, uh, through stuff. Because he's a father. He's not opposed to you going through things. Who wants their children to go through, go through nothing and grow up and have no experience? He needs to test your faith, especially because of this lifestyle. This is a spiritual lifestyle. So you have to believe in a God you can't see. Why are you going through stuff that you can't see? So he says, I've been on a frequent journeys in danger of rivers, in danger from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, the Jews. Dangers from the Gentiles, the people I've been called to help. Dangers in the city. Dangers in the wilderness. Dangers on sea. Dangers among false brethren. People who I thought was for me and found out they were against me. Verse 27. I have been in labor and hardships. Through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. This is why Paul said, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than all of you. This is, a Paul, this is the same Paul that says, no matter what situation he finds himself in, he's content. He wasn't talking about, okay, you know what, we ain't got no steak tonight, so we're going to eat bologna. He wasn't talking about, okay, you know, we just do hot dogs tonight. Just pop a frozen pizza in. We ain't got no real food in here. This brother said, I've went without food. In hunger and in thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Verse 28. This is where it gets interesting. Because those are the afflictions. He said, apart from such external things, that's what afflictions are. The external things that happen to you. We ain't talking about the internal stuff. We haven't got to internal. This is external stuff. These are things that people did to him. Things that went on in his environment. We're not talking about what was going on inside of him. His lack of confidence. His lack of understanding. His lack of awareness. What his mama said to him. What his daddy did to him. What his friends said to him. The fact that no one supported him. We're not talking about what stuff that went on inside. He said, apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure of me concerning for all the churches. So I'm going through all of this stuff and still got a pastor. I'm going through all this stuff and my call hasn't changed. My assignment hasn't changed. 
My purpose haven't changed. This is just the internal stuff, external stuff. Internally, he's saying this. Watch, watch this. He said, there's a daily pressure on me concerning, there's a daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Verse 29, who is weak without me being weak? So he said, I went through all that stuff, but he said, when you're weak, I'm hurting. This is what's going on inside of me. I told you, you have afflictions and then you have pains. He explained his afflictions, now he's explaining his pains. He said, who is led into sin without, without my intense concern? So when you're in sin, it hurts me. It bothers me when you're bothered. I'm your leader. This is the things I'm going through. And when, it, when you hurt, I hurt. Verse 30, he says, if I have to boast, I will boast on what pertains to my weakness. He said, if I'm going to brag about anything, the only things I'm going to brag about is the things that I can't do. And I know the spirit has enabled me to do them. Because we talk about in praying, tongue, praying in tongues, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit searches our heart and it does what? Helps us in our weaknesses. It helps us in our weaknesses. So this is Paul saying here, he said, I will boast on what pertains to my weaknesses. That's all I'm going to boast about. I'm going to boast about the things that I know is not me. Can you see your life? You got to go to work. At work, the people getting on your nerve, they're talking all type of crazy stuff on the way home. You got a flat tire. <laughs> Went to find a tire, <clears throat> couldn't find a tire, so you still stuck there. Now you're changing the tire and it starts raining. You still got to get home and feed the kids. You still got your spouse. You still have your home you have to take care of. You don't have the money for the tire. You don't know what you're going to do. You see what I'm saying? You still have your call on your life. You still have your purpose. Just think about, a, just think about your worst day. And you still have to go home and you still have to care for other people. This is why Paul said, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than all of you. Because the more, watch this, the, this is when the more is needed, all right? This is when the more is needed. It's not, gonna be, it's not going to be for performance, all right? Because this is what you can do. You can get into a things where you only pray in tongues to build you up for performance. You know, so you can preach, so then when you pray, you sound a certain way. You know what I'm saying? So that, you can, so that people can feel you really want to just cast out a devil so everybody can know that you can do it. So you're only praying in tongues so for the simple fact <laughs> so you can perform. Now, praying in tongues helps you to perform, but this is for your life. All right? And what you have to do is you have to proactively pray in tongues, knowing that there will be afflictions. You have to proactively pray in, tongue, pray in tongues, knowing that you will have to endure hardship. You're not just in praying in tongues for what you're going through. You're praying in tongues for what you're about to go through. You have to proactively pray in tongues because you are going to be persecuted on the job. You're going to be persecuted by your family. You're going to make certain decisions and people are not going to like what you did and they are going to persecute you. So you have to proactively pray in tongues to be built up so that when this thing takes place, you stand. That's why Paul told him, he says, having done all you can do, stand. But then he said, well, have this armor of God on. How do you get that armor of God on? Praying in tongues. How do you get the armor of God on? Putting the word in you. Practicing righteousness. You have to proactively pray in tongues, knowing, watch this, eventually pride can set in. Paul said he prayed to God three times to remove a stone, from, a thorn from his side. 
Now, can you imagine out of all the things that Paul went through, God still gave him a thorn? So you mean to tell me he had afflictions, he had pains, and he had a thorn. A messenger from Satan because of the revelation that he gave him. So you at your best, casting out devils, healing people, singing, doing whatever he's called you to do, there can be a, a possibility that you can eventually start walking in pride. So you have to proactively pray in tongues to keep yourself humble so that you can realize that this is not me. He gave him a thorn in his side because of the revelation that he gave him. So I'm going to give you revelation, but I'm going to assign a demonic agency to you so you will stay humble. You don't want that, do you? I know. Look at Manusha like, what? She gave me the gas face look like. But that's how it's going to happen. So you have to proactively pray in tongues, knowing that you're going to be successful, but when you get successful, don't let your head blow up. Don't get the big head. Amen? You have to proactively pray in tongues, knowing, watch this, that you will be confused. Anybody here ever been confused? You've been confused. You just don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. You, you can, the Bible says pray in tongues. And when you pray in tongues, the Bible says what? The Holy Spirit searches your heart. The Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. The Holy Spirit intercedes. That's why he says, I do this more. The more is needed when? Before you go through it. It's not needed. See, Trying to see if I should say what I'm about to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for uh, Black Lives Matter. Of course, I'm black, right? But, huh? Right. But what I hate about, what I don't like about the movement is that it's never proactive. It's always reactive. It's always we wait till something happen to somebody, then we pick it. I can't stand reactive movement. I can't stand when stuff is, re when, you, you don't want your prayer to be reactive because you're already in it now. And now you want to pray your way out of something when you should have been praying the whole time. If you have a steady life of the word and prayer, when situations come, like I told you last week, if I was, if my whole body was engulfed in flames, because that's how we feel when you pray in tongues. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours. It just feels like that. Okay? So if my whole body is engulfed in flames and somebody come and throw a glass of water on me, that does nothing for me. That does nothing against the fire that's on my life. But when I have not, so why am I saying that? Which means when you've been praying in tongues and someone insults you, it don't bother you. It's when you haven't been praying in tongues. It's when your spirit, man, is not built up. It's when there is no grace there and there is no wisdom there. There is no thought process of being holy. You haven't been doing the necessary things to build yourself up. So you run into conflict and then all of a sudden now it, your carnality shows up and not the God in you. You have to proactively pray in tongues, okay, because you will be confused. All right. Your emotions will get the best of you sometimes. You won't know the directions. You won't have the instructions to do it. But sometimes he'll just say go. And even more, the reason why you need to pray in tongues, because if you don't, you won't be able to hear. And this is how deception happens. Second Corinthians four and eight. This is Paul. Now, why would Paul tell the church this? Verse 8, he says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. So it's truth in the first statement, but the latter statement, he's saying is not true. So you are afflicted in every way. 
So people are going to talk about your mama. They're going to talk about your daddy. They're going to take your money. Okay? People in every way. People are not going to support you. It's going to happen in every way. Any way you can possibly think about being afflicted, it can happen to you. So he says we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed. What is that? Confused. But not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. What is, why is Paul telling us this? He's letting us know that, look, these things are going to happen to you, but you have to understand the truth behind it. Affliction does not mean that you're crushed. Perplexed does not mean that you're despairing. Persecuted does not mean that the Father has forsaken us. Being struck down does not mean that you're destroyed. If so, Paul would have quit. He would have quit a long time ago. Like I told you, when Paul writes his letters to the Corinthians church, he's on his third missionary trip. This is the second letter to the Corinthians. So Paul is letting us know what afflictions will drain you. Afflictions will drain you. My wife told me, she said, God told me to tell you something. Stop doing all the preaching over the phone. If people want to hear you, they come to church. Not talking about y'all. She told me, she said, stop preaching to people over the phone who don't come to church. They know where we at. Why are you preaching trying to help their life and they won't show up to church? She said that to me months ago, and you try to wrestle with it. You know, God called me to help people. <laughs> but now I understand why she said, because people would drain the anointing that I'm supposed to have for y'all. People would drain the anointing for your assignment. People would drain it. They would drain the anointing. I'm on the phone the other day, two hours. Got off the phone, that's when I got the revelation. I was like, that's why she said that. I just did all this praying and drained myself on a two-hour phone call of somebody who ain't a member of this church. So now I got to go back in tongues because I didn't use everything I've done on them. But because I still got to come and teach. I still got to, because watch this. You don't just want tongues to operate for a performance. You want this in your life. You want it when you deal with your spouse. You want it when you deal with your kids. You want to make sure you're built up in the spirit before you open that scriptures and start reading it. If not, you're reading with your normal eyes. It's been times I go to put messages together. And I'm in the spirit. Then I read it out the spirit. And I'm like, what is this? I have no idea what this is on this paper, but I wrote it. But I wrote it by the spirit. <laughs> so, it's going to have to be times where you're going to have to check your energy level. And whatever you're doing at the time, you're going to have to withdraw from it to build yourself up. It could be from the kids. Can't deal with that right now. Go build yourself up, come back. It could be from your spouse, okay? Go build yourself up, come back. It could be from your family. You know you got to go to this cookout. You don't feel like dealing with these folks. You know they're going to attack your beliefs. You already know this going to get into this conversation. Build yourself up. You get there and watch that wisdom start flowing. They won't do that no more. You have to intentionally. Jesus would withdraw. In, in the scriptures, the, the Bible said that Jesus would, he would be with the disciples. He would be teaching the multitude and he would just withdraw. And the Bible said he would withdraw and go in the mountains and pray. Why? They've drained him. They've drained him. He's been doing ministry all day. He's been casting out devils. He's been healing people. And now all of a sudden, he said, you know what? I need to go. Why is he leaving? He needs to build himself back up. What is he going to do? Pray in tongues. The Bible said that he will leave, go into the mountain, secluded place. Pray for hours. Build himself up. Then go back out. Get his instructions. Go back out. And what happened? 
be healed. So, we pray in the Spirit for these three reasons. If you're taking notes, uh, I didn't put it up there. These are the three reasons you're going to have to pray in the Spirit. One is to edify yourself. Two is to build your faith. And three is to avoid confusion. All right? Now, one, edify yourself. You're going to have to pray in tongues to edify yourself. 1 Corinthians 14 and 4 says, when you pray in tongues, he who prays in tongues edifies himself. So when you pray in tongues, you're going to have to build yourself up. What are you doing? You're refining your spirit, man. You're refining your spirit, man. Why? Because you need your spirit, man, at all times to stay pure. You need at all times for your spirit man to stay pure. So when you pray in tongues and you're building up your spirit man, you're increasing your grace, you're increasing your wisdom, you're increasing your holiness, you're increasing your blessedness, and you're increasing your virtue. When you just sit there and you pray in tongues. So you're going to have to pray in tongues to edify yourself, to refine yourself, to remove the impurities from your soul, that feeling of just not liking somebody, the times when you just need to forgive and it's hard to forgive. Pray in tongues until you build yourself up. The other one, the second one is going to be to build your faith. You're going to have to refresh your faith because your faith will be tested in afflictions. Sometimes afflictions just come to see if you really believe what you say you believe. That's why Jesus told Peter, Peter said, Lord, I'm with you. Even if we got to die together, I'm with you. He said, look, Peter, by the time the rooster crow, you're going to be denied me three times. He didn't say once. You're going to deny me three times. But Peter just knew within himself. You know why? He, he thought that because Peter thought he was spiritual because he was with Jesus. Just like most people think they're spiritual because they go to church. Saying Jesus' name don't make you spiritual. So Jesus told him, he said, he said Peter, when you are converted, you will strengthen the brother. What did he tell him? You ain't been converted yet. And the third one is confusion. Okay, you are going to need guidance. These are the reasons why we have to pray in the spirit constantly, constantly praying in the spirit. All right, we do this story and then we're going to close out. I'm going to do some prayer. I'm going to have uh, Sierra Kirby, my wife, uh, pray over the congregation. Acts 28 and 1. This is a little story about Paul, one of Paul's stories of his inflictions. Okay, it says when they, Acts chapter 28, verse 1, it says when they had been brought safely through, then we found out that the island was called Malta. Now, this is one of the shipwrecks that Paul has went through. He just went through this, this ship, he just went through this shipwreck, through this storm, and they ended up on this island. All right. Verse 2, it says, the natives showed us extraordinary kindness, for because of the rain they had set in, and because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received us all. Here we go. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself to his hand. So Paul has just went through a shipwreck. He's cold. He's wet. He made it to the island. He's saying the natives are being extremely kind to them. He goes to light a fire and gets bit by a snake. Afflictions. Verse 4. When the natives saw the creature hanging on his hand, they begin saying to one another, undoubtedly, this man is a murderer. 
And though he has been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. So they see that this man, that he has gotten bit by a snake after surviving this shipwreck. And the people who are watching him saying, you know what? This is what he get. I remember 28 years ago when he used to kill Christians. So although he escaped the sea, God still got him. God still managed a way to find a way to kill this man. But watch this. Verse 25, verse 5. It says, however, he shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. Read that again. He shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. Now, this would be a perfect time to talk about some coronavirus. I ain't got to say nothing, do I? But it'd be a perfect time to talk about a coronavirus. Folks scared of a corona. He got bit by a venomous snake, shook it off. See, this is where it comes in. Do you believe the Bible? This is where some people, ah, I believe in that giving thing. I believe in that give and you shall receive. But getting bit by a snake and being able to shake it off, see, you have to build yourself up, not to panic. You have to build yourself up not to panic off of this. If you have not been praying in tongues and you got bit by a snake, what do you think? I'm dead. I'm dead. Paul is a martyr. Watch this. Verse, 20, verse 6, it says, but they were expecting that he was about to swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But after they had waited a long time and seen... Nothing unusual happened to him. They changed their minds. <laughs> they changed their minds and began to say he was a God. Now, it didn't say that he changed their minds. They changed their minds because they were watching they were waiting for something to happen. He knew what nothing was going to happen. Faith. When they didn't see anything happen, they changed their mind. They said he was a God. He didn't change their mind. All he did was shake it off. That's all he did. He just shook it off. He didn't change their minds. He just shook it off. But the scripture said he suffered no harm. The reason most people don't believe in Christianity because a lot of stuff we go through, we can't shake it off. It was when he shook it off that they seen that nothing happened, that he was a God. You can't say you're a believer, sit in depression. See, that would be the equivalent of him allowing the snake to stay on. When you stay, some people have been attached to you for too long. If that snake stays attached to him, the more that snake stays attached to him, venom is injected into him. The more it stays attached to him, it seems hopeless. It drains him. But they, he shook it off and they said he was a God. Have you ever had somebody tell you, it's something different about you? You ever had somebody say that? You know what they're telling you? I see God in you. If you're a human and somebody say that there's something different about you, they see something in you that they don't see in other people. What are they telling you? I see God. So the whole purpose of this walk and the whole purpose of this praying in tongues is why? Because God expects us to do what? Build ourselves up until we understand that we are gods. You can't be a child of God and not be a God. 
They said they thought that they said, watch this, that they began to say he was a God because he began to do things that normal humans could not do. That's why the Bible tells us you you are anointed. You know what anointed? You know what anointing? The definition of anointing? You know what that means? Huh. Say what? It means the Holy One. So when the Bible says God has anointed you, it means that he has literally made you a God. Y'all don't believe that, do y'all? That's why Paul said you're predestined. What are you predestined to? Conform to the image of his son. But then the Bible says that his son is the image of invisible God. Y'all don't play with me. Don't play with me. So the Bible tells you he predestined you to conform to the image of his son, and the image of his son is the invisible image of God. So he predestined you to conform to what? A God. See, if that snake would have bit Saul, he'd be dead. But the snake bit Paul. He bit the God. All right. Why would the, the, the Bible tell us to imitate God? If we couldn't do it. Why would the Bible tell you to imitate a God if you were not a God? You, you get what I'm saying? This is this whole walk. All right, I'm done.